0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. George Norrie with you, back with psychic John Russell. He became aware of his psychic abilities when he was about six years old. He started giving psychic readings to his friends and families by the age of 15. By the age of 18, he was reading professionally. He eventually became internationally known, has more than 45 years' expertise as a professional psychic with a worldwide clientele, and as a paranormal investigator, was witnessed more than 800 supernatural manifestations. John, welcome to the program, and uh, congrats on the book, Writing with Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead
1: you so much. It's great to be here. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be here, and uh, thank you for the congratulations on the book. It's just out this month, and I'm really proud of it.
0: Good for you. Now, you're a motorcyclist, which has a lot to do with some of the things in the book.
1: Exactly right. Yeah, I've been a biker since I was the age of 15, and uh, the reason that this uh, the book came about was I had uh, shot a pilot, a TV pilot for the History Channel.
0: Aha! Okay, good people. And,
1: yeah, really good people, and we had uh, we had a great time doing that. I became friends with my producer, and we stayed friends. And we decided to work on continue to work on some projects together, trying to get uh, uh, another TV show done, utilizing my psychic gifts. And we bandied about some ideas about you know what direction it should take and what we would do. Well, ever since uh, I was a kid, a young man, there was a show on TV, and a lot of people will know this, a lot of people won't, but nearly every biker will. There was a show called Then Came Bronson, and it was about wow. a guy in and, and short that just, uh, he gave up on the corporate world through everything he had on his motorcycle and took off to discover America. And in the process, the, wherever he would go, he was a catalyst for change. He didn't change, but he brought change into other people's lives through the adventures that he had. And so I told my friend, my producer friend, I said, hey, I said, let's do a psychic version of this. Let's do a paranormal version of this. I'll come roaring into town on my motorcycle. We'll investigate whatever uh, paranormal situation or story or whatever there is, bring it to a resolution, bring it to whatever conclusion we can, and then we'll go to the next town again on my bike. And so uh, he, he loved the idea, I loved the idea, and we ran it up every flagpole there was. Nobody saluted. <laughs> and <laughs> the process, um, he said, listen, why don't you uh, put together some of these paranormal experiences you've had, just little short snippets of things, do a little blog, and we can use that as a, an additional promotional tool. And so I did, and about that time, the, uh, uh, the amount of of paranormal experiences that I began to have riding my motorcycle became just just surreal, just bizarre. I had never had uh, paranormal experiences that were specific to my motorcycle rides. I have in every other aspect, and every other facet of my life, but not really my motorcycle and all of a sudden they begin to occur with the bike and uh, I put a few of them on the blog and I began to look at these experiences I was having and even though I've had over 800 some of these were just truly, truly extraordinary, just really bizarre. And I said, you know, I have got to take these. I've got to expand them. Uh, I've got to, to tell the entire story and collect these together. And so I did, and, and the book writing with Ghost Angels and the Spirits of the Dead was born.
0: Super. What kind of bike do you ride?
1: I ride a Honda. It's a VTX 1300C, and uh, we've, I've got almost 114,000 miles on this bike alone now. Wow. Yeah, yeah, a lot of miles.
0: That's me. And you wear a helmet?
1: I do wear a helmet. I didn't when I was younger, uh, depending upon the helmet laws. And uh,
0: stay safe. I, we want to keep you around, John.
1: I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I do wear a full face helmet now. Uh, when we very first moved to Florida, I wore what they call a turtle shell, a, a half helmet, and I was hitting the uh, hitting the nose by a rock at fifty miles an hour and oh, bug geez. flying to my eye. Had a lot of other things happened. Oh. I, I went to the bike shop and said, Give me that full face right there. And I've, I've done full face ever since.
0: Absolutely. I guess you're used to full face now with masks and everything else these days.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that that was much of a change for me. <laughs> let's,
0: let's go back to the age of six. How did this start for you?
1: Well, it started, um, when, like I say, when I was about six years old, I woke up suddenly wide awake. Uh, It wasn't one of those situations where where you're coming awake or where you're waking up slowly or a a lingering dream state or anything. I was just suddenly completely wide awake. And I didn't know why, and I raised up on my elbows uh, in my bed, and I looked around, and down the hallway from my bedroom where there was a nightlight and the glow of the nightlight, this old black man was standing there. And I can describe him. He had uh, close-cropped white hair. He had on khaki pants, black shoes, a black dress belt, and a plaid shirt. And I looked at him, and I screamed bloody murder because we're white folk. We didn't have nobody black living with us. (laughs) And I presumed that an intruder had gotten into the home. And I screamed like crazy, and I heard my parents begin to come running. And as I screamed, uh, the old black man standing there looked at me (laughs) with his uh, bemusement on his face, and I swear, just like the Cheshire cat, he slowly began to vanish from his feet up till all that was left was his head.
0: I bet he was a spirit guide for you
1: he was he opened the the doorway he came to open the doorway to my psychic gift, and uh, when my parents came in, I told him I said there's somebody in the house, and i said no theres there's nobody I said there's somebody in the house, even though I'd just seen him disappear. And I was so scared and so convincing that they checked under the beds, they checked the closet, they checked the doors, they checked the windows. And, of course, nobody in the flesh was there. But, uh, yes, this this man came to open the portal for me and to activate my psychic gift.
0: Did he come back again when maybe the parents left?
1: I have never seen him again.
0: Just that one time?
1: Just that one time. And uh, I was scared to death that he would come back that night. When My parents went back to bed, and I tried to go back <laughs> to sleep. And I was like, why did he come? What did he want with
0: one me? One eye open back. and everything else. Yeah, huh? one
1: eye open and everything else. And of all the experiences I've had, that's the only time uh, that I've ever been scared. I've been startled since.
0: Well heck, you were only six years old.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, after that, after his visit, uh, I began to... Uh, be able to not only predict the future for people but to actually see into their lives and what they had done I remember this one story uh, very shortly after the experience with him uh, these people pulled into uh, our driveway and I didn't know them, my parents did but I didn't know them and so I went inside and I got my parents I said somebody, somebody in the in a car just pulled in our driveway and they're getting out and so they came out and they were friends of my parents and I said oh okay so they came up, and we were all standing outside there, and I was goofing around. You know, I was a young kid, you know, six, seven, whatever. And I'm standing there playing and kind of halfway eavesdropping. And uh, so I looked at the people, and I said, you know, I said, you guys just went on vacation. And I said, you have kids. They're they're not with you now, but you have kids, and you took them on vacation. You have two kids, a boy and a girl. And I said, you went to this hotel,
0: and how old are you when you're telling them this, John?
1: <laughs> I'm like six or seven. Oh, geez. And I said, you went to this hotel, and it was painted white, and it was two-story, and the, the windows were staggered like this. It looked like this. And there was this row of trees in front. And I said, you took that car right there on the, on the trip. And as I'm telling them this, I remember, I'll never forget as long as I live, the woman in particular her eyes got wider and wider and wider and she
0: looked at me. And they're like, actually listening to you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and she's looking at me like I've got cobras growing out my ears or something. And uh, she's like she looked at my mother and my father and she says, "My god, how could he possibly know that? How does he know that?" And my mother was, and my dad. My dad didn't know what to say, and he was, he was kind of like, "Well, you." But know. But
0: they knew that you had these abilities, right? They your knew that your I parents. Had these abilities, yeah. yeah.
1: And and the people verified that what I'd seen was correct because they had just gone on that vacation. They were coming to tell my parents about it, and uh, what I had seen was was completely accurate. So that uh, that was the beginning of things.
0: When you were fifteen, did your parents kind of encourage you to do readings for people?
1: My mother did. My father uh, did not. The, the paranormal spooked my father. He was kind of a, a quasi-closet believer, I guess maybe. Uh, we had so many uh, experiences around the house that could not be denied. And I mean, he, he experienced them, but his response was, ah, don't talk about it. <laughs> and, you know, go on and do something else. Uh, but my mother was very encouraging. And uh you know, growing up in a household with that encouragement, uh, it was it was just a totally normal thing to me. I mean, somebody uh, appears in the living room and then vanishes, or the, the chairs rock by themselves, the rocking chairs, or doors open and close and there's no one there, no breeze, no draft. That was just everyday occurrence for me. That was totally normal for me. Was
0: there anyone else, John, in the family that had these abilities? I mean, was this genetic? By any it chance? Is,
1: it, it is genetic, yeah. Uh, it does go back quite a ways in my family, but I am i have the strongest gift of anyone in my family, and I've had the most experiences of anyone in my family.
0: It's interesting that at, at six, you got this gift, and you've perfected it ever since. And as we were saying, you've had it for about 45 years now, right?
1: Yeah, a long time. All, all my life, ever since the age of six. I'm 66 now, so been, been around the block a few times.
0: That's the new 45.
1: There you go. That's, that's what I keep telling just, just you. <laughs>
0: just take care of yourself. That's the important
1: thing. I tell you. I tell you.
0: What, what has been for you one of the most gratifying aspects of being psychic?
1: One of the most gratifying aspects is as I've, I've read for thousands and thousands of clients over the years, and to me the most gratifying aspect of it is when somebody comes to me uh, they, they want to hear the truth. They don't want their ears tickled. They want to be helped. And I can tell them something that's concrete, uh, that provides some actual help for, them, for their lives, gives them some direction, um, puts them into a better place in their lives, gives them some tools to work with to make their lives better, and they listen to it and they do it and they believe it and they act on it and their lives are improved as a result. And to me, that's the absolute best thing about it. Everything else is, is just a wonderful side effect, but that's, that's the best thing, is being able to help people.
0: Besides the six-year-old event, has there been any other scary events for you later on in life that you felt, oh my, how did I get into this?
1: No, um, I have had, um, like I say, I've had events where I've been startled, um, you know, I, I when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're alone in the house and the doors and windows are are locked, maybe the alarm's even on, and you turn around there's somebody standing there in the flesh, that's a little startling, and then they disappear, and you go, okay, all right. <laughs> but uh, uh, there was one other experience I did have, though. I won't describe it as fearful, but uh, we were doing a, a paranormal investigation in upstate New York and uh, there was this particular uh, horse barn, this very large horse barn, that was was the site of a lot of manifestations, and we were there at night and going through there and using little small flashlights sometimes, and a lot of times I just wanted it to be dark and just whatever ambient light there was. And we received several manifestations. These were witnessed by by multiple people. Uh, A lot of things that I... I picked up on, they were able to verify and so on and so forth. So it was really a good investigation. There was nothing untoward or out of the way, or certainly not to me, but you know, I'm familiar with all these things and comfortable with all these things. But there was this one door that I went to, and I heard the urge to go into this door, to open this door and go into this room. And as I approached it, it was like ice cold, and every hair on my body stood up, and it took everything I had to open that door and go in. Like I say, I can't. Yeah. I was yeah. fearful. But it was just, the energy there was just so strong and so powerful that it just it, it took everything I had to open that doorknob and go through.
0: Has life ever been frustrating for you, John?
1: Oh, Lord, yes. Um,
0: because of this gift?
1: Yeah, it has. Uh, one of the most frustrating things for me is people not taking me seriously, uh, I had a, a very dear friend that lost his lost his business because of it, because I I made a prediction for him and I told him, you know, now's the time to get out of this thing and move on. You'll be okay. And he didn't listen to me and he lost his business, and um, that that really was uh, was frustrating and hurtful to me. Uh, so people not taking me seriously. And of course I understand. You know, there's a lot of people that use psychics. They have six psychics. You know, I had one lady tell me, I have a psychic for romance, I have a psychic for money, I have a psychic for travel. I was like, my God, no wonder you're confused and messed up. And I know there's a lot of phonies and prods out there, and I get that, but people that know me know my track record. And they know that I have this accuracy, and they know that I have this proof. And to, to have them ignore that, and then to see them get into peril because of it, uh, that's very frustrating. Another thing is that um, a lot of times, Clients will misunderstand me. I was reading for one lady, and I said, "Boy, I see a lot of disharmony in your home." She goes, "Oh no, no, no disharmony in my home. My house is spotless, but my husband sure has been a bear lately." <laughs> so she couldn't relate the word disharmony, right? You know,
0: and he, I, he, I assume, had passed on, right?
1: No, he was there. He oh, was,
0: he was still he, there. He okay,
1: was still there. he was he was being a bear. Uh, he was, that was the source of the disharmony in the home. Uh, but talking about passing on. I I read for another uh, guy, and talk about frustrating. As soon as we started the reading, I said, uh, I'm seeing this this figure on the other side that I'm presuming is your son. Has has your son passed recently? No. Okay, and so we kept going in the reading. I said, I keep getting this guy coming back, and and he he tells me he's your son. Your son's not dead? No. Okay, so about three or four more times during the reading, I, I kept mentioning this, and no, 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 so... We wrap up, we get to the end of the reading, and uh, he says, well, he said, I'm kind of disappointed. And I said, why? He says, I wish you'd have spent more time talking about my deceased son.
0: What? Yeah, that's he, what I he kept He kept <laughs> denying it and denying it?
1: Kept denying it the entire time, and I asked him point blank. I said, "Is your son on the other side? Is he? Is he dead?
0: W- was Was he daydreaming or what?
1: I don't know what in the world was going on. That I mean, did
0: you tell him, sir? I've asked you six times about <laughs> yeah, your dead son.
1: Yeah, and he was just kind of like, yeah, no, whatever. And
0: I'm like, my uh, God, okay. he was in oh, the ozone I, layer.
1: I tell you, I was I was flabbergasted by that one, and then uh, a really really funny one. Uh, I was reading. I had read for uh, a friend of mine, and uh, she brought her daughter to me. She said, God, this guy's just phenomenal. you got you got to go get a reading with this guy. And she said, do you care if I sit in with my daughter? Normally I don't let family members sit in together. I read for just one person at a time. Right, right, closet. And uh, this time I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, sit in. And it's a good thing she did because I was telling her daughter about this guy that she was in love with or whatever, And I was telling her one of the things about this guy. I said, what you have to understand about this guy, he is never, ever going to be a suit and tie guy. He could never work inside at a desk or anything like that. He has got to be outside. He's got to have something outdoors, something with movement and motion and action. And she looked at me and she shook her head and she goes, oh, no, 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 you're so wrong. And then she says, this guy could never sit at a desk and wear a suit. He has to work outside. And be. And we both <laughs> sit there, her mother and I both sit there with our eyes bugged out looking at her. And her mother says, that's what he just said. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, you did?
0: <laughs> they don't listen, do they? They
1: don't listen. And then the other thing that's frustrating is when uh, huh. a person, I, I say like I'm seeing a person with a name like uh, like Chuck. Uh, and he wears a golfing hat. Nope, no one. You sure? Nope, nobody in my family like that. No? Okay. And either when they're pressed or later in the reading, oh, well, I have an Uncle Charles who loves to golf.
0: Yeah, exactly. There you go.
1: know. So you deal with those kinds of things, and it's frustrating, but you learn to handle it, and you learn to deal with it, and you go on.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.